just want to say hi to any listeners out there. If anybody's listened to my new podcast, this is Insignificant Man. Just put together some recordings, uh, my thoughts, and wanted to share them with people. I also have a channel on YouTube under the same name, Insignificant Man. I put together videos and any other visual aids that I can add to the talks. But if you are not able to access YouTube, my podcasts are available on a lot of different platforms through anchor.fm. So I hope you enjoy and I hope you listen and I'll get started. Pick up where we left off and where I left off last time was sin. The way we view sin is not real. And what I mean by it's not real, there's the sin that we know of with condemnation that brings death, spiritual death. And we were sinners from birth. And I've talked about that in other other talks, which uh, I don't think I want to cover back over that right now. But the sin that we know that brings condemnation and death, spiritual death, is not real. We are born with a live spirit, with a living spirit. Every single being in third density, which is this density of learning and existence that we are in right now, we are all born with a spirit. What we are not all born with, which every single one of us is the same from birth, we are only born with the first three energy rays activated, red, orange, yellow. The choice to love, which was the whole purpose of Emmanuel dying on the cross, dying for everybody, it was to become the perfect example of love. So if you believe in Emmanuel, you believe in the Father. And when he said Father, he's meaning the one infinite creator. Now, I talked a little bit last time about the difference between God and the creator. And it's important to know that difference and to know that God, the king of the watchers or the king of the guardian angels, the protectors of light, the guardians of light, God is a creation of the creator as well. And so God serves the creator and he serves and protects and preserves its law and will. And that first law is the law of free will. So he, they preserve that um, first and foremost. And when you're on a positive path, they want, to, they want to do their best to not break people's free will because they understand that by doing so, you lessen the power and the polarity of choice and choosing. And that's what preserving the purity and genuineness of each choice as well. So they're trying to not taint the up. They're not trying to show us the, you know, all the hands in the card game. Otherwise, there'd be no card game. If you knew all the hands that were being played and dealt, it would be pointless. So because we don't know, because we can't see each other's hands, then we have a game. And because of this game, there is a lot of energy behind it. There's a lot of excitement and there's power behind each choice that we make. And within the one infinite creator, there is no right and wrong. There's only polarity of choice. There's only choice. And each choice can be a negatively polarized choice or a positively polarized choice. And that's how we, through our lives, we start to build up polarity and God and his guardian angels and the confederation, which is a confederation of many groups of positive beings trying to help us out as well. So they're wanting us to choose the positively polarized route, the route of selfless love. And they know the, they know the benefits of it because they chose that route themselves. And even Beings that are higher density than six density, they know the benefit of it as well. So they, you know, out of love and service to the creator, they want as many people to choose the positive way as well. And the people that choose the negative route want us to choose the negative polarizing choices. So we talked about last time, the Ten Commandments did not come from positive beings. They came from the Orion group. And we know this because 
God, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, of the Watchers, the Guardian Angels, he is a positive being. He would, it goes against every ounce of his fiber because he is a protector of the light. It goes against every ounce of his fiber to create rules and laws for beings that he's in charge of, or he created himself, that would breach free will. So the Ten Commandments came from the Orion group. They were able to infiltrate sooner, quicker, gain more ground over the Yahweh group, which is part of the Confederation. And they were able to lead Moses and the Israelites out of Egypt. And, you know, this makes perfect sense, too, because you know, what kind of a God, a loving God, positive being, kills the firstborn of all the Egyptians? I mean, if that doesn't scream negative polarity, I don't know what does. And the whole Jewish religion is almost based off of that day right there of the Passover. I mean, it's so huge. It's so instrumental in their belief system and in their history. You know, it was very symbolic. But the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, a positive loving being, the defender and the defender of the light of the one infinite creator, is not going to go around killing the firstborn. I mean, why would, he, why would he ever condone that? Why would he ever implement that and initiate that? The angel of death? Well, yeah, that is a negative angel. All right, because that was the Orion group, the negatively polarized group of fourth, fifth, and sixth density beings that were in the skies at the time. They brought the plagues, they killed the firstborns, and they led Moses and the Israelites out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, and into the desert, fed them manna, and brought them to Mount Sinai, and first thing he says to him is, to Moses on Mount Sinai, is, I am a jealous God. Well, that's not, that's not very loving. <laughs> How is a loving God a jealous God? Well, different God. It is the Orion group and what we would call, you know, Satan and his minions, these members of an empire. So you have the negatively polarized groups, the Orion groups, and probably other groups, but these are the biggest groups, the ones we know of that know of that deal with us is the Orion group. They are the negative polarity and they are the minions, the demons, and they are within their numbers. I think probably the majority of their numbers are Draco reptilians, which are demon-like lizard type creatures. Very powerful beings, very powerful beings. But they were able to get in and actually had a ship in the skies for like 300 years. And especially during the time when they led Moses across the Red Sea into the desert and then led them back to the promised land where they authorized the slaughtering of people that over the years since Abraham had come to settle in that area. And so they go, Moses goes up on Mount Sinai, God or the Orion person talking to him because Moses was a channel. So they're, they're talking through Moses, through his brain, you know, using radio waves. And Rod describes their radio waves. They use short waves, but as a heart signal, but they said that they, they shoot it in through the back right side of your brain. Moses was a channel and he was getting information from both the Orion group, the negative group and the positive group, the Yahweh group. And so he was led up on Mount Sinai and first thing he says is, I'm a jealous God, which just like the Passover, it just screams negative polarity. And but, you know, using fear because Moses is is assuming that he's talking to God, the king of kings, uh, when he is not. And he doesn't want to do wrong because Moses is such a positively polarized being that the Orion group actually had a hard time 
accomplishing everything that they wanted to accomplish. The Ten Commandments was a negative thing implemented, but even Moses being who he was, such a positive being, he was able to turn most of it into a positive thing. I think just because of him striving to please God in everything that he did. And I think that's really to his credit, big time. Because not even knowing and realizing the forces that were against him. And just like, we don't even know today the forces that are against us, but we forget all the time that they are real and that they are present. And we are fighting a war against negative beings. And I'm talking from a, a positive being perspective. He was given the Ten Commandments. First thing God says is, I am a jealous God. Another check in the box, negative polarity. And then punishment for all these sins, these supposed sins. And I talked about before, the best way I can describe sin more accurately is just to make it into a, an acronym. All it is is the negative choices we make and the power, the negative polarizing power and energy behind each one of those choices. So there is no condemnation because free will is paramount and given a birth from the one infant creator to everybody and that is preserved first and foremost by positive beings because that's how, that's what allows the creator to create and learn um, an infinite amount of ways and us being free to make choices and creates environments for catalyst for learning so the next step was <laughs> the next step by the orion group was the uh, ark of the covenant <laughs> you know it, the Ark of the Covenant has such a uh, reputation for being from a positive, loving God and a symbol of God for his people, for the Israelites, carrying it all around through the desert. But what this thing is, is a, it's a power conductor. It takes all the static electricity out of the atmosphere that we know is real, that creates lightning, and it collects it, and it holds it. And gold is one of the best non-resistant materials we have, and it this box is a cedar box is completely lined, I think inside and out, with gold. And then the cherubim, which are just like two electrodes sitting right next to each other, just sitting there collecting energy and energy every second of every day. And and then they're warned, the Israelites are warned not to touch it. Well, what it is, is it's pure energy. It's pure electricity. And, you know, from their perspective, playing gods, as you will, it's all part of this environment for us to learn in saying that this is me, this is my likeness, well, it is pure energy. And there is no other form of energy other than intelligent energy, which is the energy that comes from intelligent infinity, which is the creator. And light comes from intelligent energy. And that's what we know as the Holy Spirit, is intelligent energy. The Orion group telling Moses and the Israelites that when you're carrying the ark, you're carrying me. So what Moses did was create an amazing positive environment around it where they not just a positive environment, but steps towards holiness. And to seek holiness is should be very admirable, admirable attempt, because the Creator should be held in the most high regard in life. Because in, you know, eventually, I think everybody will get there through the seeking of the Creator. But it has to be on their own choosing, and that's again why free will is so important. It has to be a pure untainted choice what god did and also their priests their head priest i can't remember the head priest name right now it's uh, escaping me but samuel maybe is it samuel yeah what he did was they created you know by building the tabernacle and standing it up breaking it down moving it with the ark setting it back up setting up the tabernacle 
and creating a, a temple on the go. It's creating an environment for learning for holiness and sanctuary for the one infant creator, the, the source that gives all things life, has given us life. And if you think about it at night, everybody's happy to be alive. They're thankful to have a life, right? Even if their life is not that great, the, the miracle of life is amazing itself. Where does it come from? That, that energy comes from the creator, the one infinite creator. So Moses is very positive and created a positive environment. You know, he wasn't perfect as well. He was also being, you know, as a channel, he, he didn't know who he was talking to all the time. But the, the Yahweh group was in there trying to give him positive messages as well as a channel. Their big breakthrough came with the prophets. And Ra gives us some good understanding of that in the raw material, and also Emmanuel does in the Talmud of Emmanuel. Another thing that goes along with sin, well, sin causes death. It's always been assumed that it's been spiritual death, that we are separated from God. How can we be separated from God when he is supposedly the creator and there is nothing outside of creation? Well, it's easy because the God that people are referring to is not the one infinite creator. He is a creation of the creator. So he is outside of creation, but he, well, he is, he is separate from the one infinite creator, but he is also within creation itself. And that's hence the law of one. We are all one because of the one infinite creator. There is a separation of us from God created by sin, which came into be by the law. So the law gives sin power because it gives the power of condemnation and from God onto us, and then eventually from us onto ourselves. And what we know now that that is not real, because within the one infinite creator, there is no right or wrong, there is only choice, and within choice there is only polarity, positive or negative. But then you have death. Well, why is death scary? Well, it's unknown. We don't know, what, you know, well, at the time with Moses, you don't know what happens to you when you die. And there is, you know, I think it also comes from, you know, it's mentioned in the book of Enoch, from Enoch talking about heaven or hell is the place that, you go when you die. But Enoch was given this amazing adventure or tour by the guardian angels. Gabriel, Raphael, Uriel, um, I can't remember all the names, but it was amazing. And like I said before, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church still maintains that the book of Enoch remain in the Bible canon. And the amazing thing about the Dead Sea Scrolls is they verified the version of the book of Enoch that the Ethiopians have. So what they found in the 60s from, I think it was the 60s, it was the 40s. When they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, they found, I think, multiple copies of the Book of Enoch. And when they compared it to the book that the Ethiopians had, it matched word for word. There was no difference, even to the number of words on each line, on this certain line on each page. It was amazing. So that right there just screams verification that what is written, written in the book of Enoch is very accurate. And, and, and what the, the version that the Ethiopians have is very accurate as well. A great source. But of course, when you're looking at the, you know, you go back to those times and Christianity is just beginning. And there's a lot of power being realized within Christianity. And the Catholic Church just didn't spring up overnight. And I'm not talking about every Catholic being negative or anything, but there was negative intentions by negative beings wanting to use the positivity of Christianity at the time to gain power. They gained control over the people, and they wanted to use it, and it started somewhere. It didn't just appear as the Roman Catholic Church. There was a lot of things done to 
move towards this control and change. And that is the corruption of the text of the New Testament Bible that we have. Death is scary because what is talked about in the book of Enoch is Shoal. I think it's called Shoal. And um, in parentheses, you know, says that's what they referred to as heaven back then or what they believed happened to the human consciousness after death. And then eventually rose to heaven and hell. So hell is very scary. And it has been described as um, the gnashing of teeth, just hot, fiery, scary death all around you and the gnashing of teeth, you know, like animals just clicking their teeth. Yeah, oh, it's so scary. Um, and yeah, rightfully so. If you don't know if it's real or not, that would scare uh, scary straight. Where at least I think that's, I believe that was what the intention was. But there is also some truth to it too, and not necessarily saying that it's real, because we know about reincarnation now through Emmanuel and through the raw group. And the whole purpose of creation and learning and our evolution as a species, as a human race. And there is only review and there is only love and protection of love and light after death. And that's for everybody. But what's great about the book of Enoch is the angels show Enoch this place. And it says it's divided into four different sections. And from what I gather, it's for the positive beings on one side and the negative beings on the other side. What we know from Emmanuel and Ra about reincarnation is your consciousness, your spirit, is working towards the negative path or the positive path, you're going to have different goals. You're going to have different understandings, and you're going to want to program things into your next life to accomplish different tasks. And they're going to be tasks for, for evolving negatively, or they're going to be tasks for evolving positively. This heaven, or this existence for spirits, as from what I gather, it's on Earth, because the Earth is the mother source energy, the sun is the positive source energy, it's nurturing. It's just in a different dimension on the same in the same space. But this is where a lot of the angels we understand as angelic, but the confederation and even the book of Enoch talks that Gabriel is in charge of the spirits when they're not incarnated in physical form. Through Ra and Emmanuel, it talks about nurturing. There is nothing but loving nurture for every spirit and every being once they leave this physical existence. And you know, a lot of this is for review for the life, but also to help with any kind of trauma. Because the traumas we experience in this life carry over in your consciousness and your spirit. So, and especially like through spontaneous deaths, they're unaware of being dead, you know, like nuclear explosions creates a lot of trauma. There's counseling, there's a lot of beings there helping counsel every single spirit individually. And then they review their life and they look at want, what they want to fix and their perspective and they're asked to, given the ability to ask questions and all that kind of stuff and understanding as well. And then when they're ready to incarnate into their next life, they build their life and they pro just like we understand computer programs, they're putting in parameters. And what people don't realize as well and what Christians especially don't realize is death is one of those parameters because we are eternal beings. Our spirits are eternal. Once, and this is what it talks about in the book of Enoch, once something is made, it cannot be destroyed. That's what one of the angels says to Enoch. So once a spirit is created, it cannot be destroyed. It might sit in somewhat of a limbo or stuck in a certain phase of evolution, but it has to, but eventually it will evolve through polarization. And that's through choice. And that's all done through this physical realm, this physical existence. There is a place for planning, a place for review, 
a place for all spirits, positive and negative, that exist somewhere here where we are on this planet. Now, what is hell? Where did hell come from? Well, when you start going through the raw material, remember, they're positive beings, and God is a positive being, and the guardian angels are positive beings, and they're guardians of the light. Free will is very important for evolution to preserve the free will of positive and negative beings. So negative beings go on a different path, and it's permanent. As soon as you evolve and graduate to the fourth density negative, you're stuck on that path until you get to the end of fourth or sixth density negative. And what we learn in the raw material through the channeling sessions is the questioner gets to a point where he asks them, because Ra is explaining to him that it's impossible for after fourth density, once you're in fourth density, it's impossible to switch polarities. And then the questioner asks, well, is there any positive, extremely positive being in third density that ever got trapped over on the negative fourth density and higher path. And raw group, I mean, it's amazing how honest they are. They said it's actually happened once. And you think about that to just happen once, and especially how horrible we think this life can be on this earth at sometimes when you see people's stories about their lives. As horrible as that sounds, our lives are super short. And you're talking about these beings. If you're fourth, fifth, or sixth density, Ross says they're like over six million years old. So you're telling me that I have the potential of being stuck on a negative path as a positive being for six million years? And the only way to evolve and graduate out of the negative path is to evolve to sixth density, which means I have to make every single choice in my next three densities as polarizing negatively which means I have to be the most self-serving being that I could ever think of. Even though I know it's serving the creator, the only way I get out of this negative existence is to polarize negatively, which means I have to be very good at it. And it's going to go against every ounce of your fiber because you, at core, you are a positively polarized being. And Ross says this actually has happened before, but it's only happened once. And I can't imagine what that person had to go through what they endured and who that was. And if you're a positively polarized being, that is the epitome of hell. And that's where I think hell is real, but it's from a perspective. For negative beings, this is what they want. This is what they choose. That is the place for them. That is their vibratory existence. For a positive being, that's the last place you want to be, positively polarized and vibrating being, being stuck in a negatively vibrating portion of existence, of creation. A positive being being stuck in a negative, a positively vibrating being being stuck in a negatively vibrating existence, that's hell. And the fact that it's happened once shows that it is possible, but it's only happened once, and Ra wouldn't say who it was. But there is one verse in the Bible in Daniel that makes me suspicious. You know, and I can't, I have no proof of it whatsoever. It's just my perspective, but when Daniel is talking to Gabriel, Gabriel's floating over the Tigris River, and he's just showing himself to Daniel, and he's reassuring them that once Daniel started praying and fasting 21 days ago, his prayers were heard, but that Gabriel was occupied, and this is the first moment he was able to get to him. And then he also goes further into saying that him and Michael are in agreement that king of Persia right now needs to be their focus, which means they're actively engaged in doing positive things to help. And it might not necessarily be directly interacting with the Israelites, but they are actively working somewhere, but they're actively working with the king of Persia. And he says, no one else is in agreement 
with us, just me and Michael. And then he says, Michael, the long suffering. And so that's always hit me like these beings, these angels, these guardian angels got to be old. I mean, how old are I can't even imagine how old the universe is. I can't even imagine how old, you know, from our understanding of time, how we calculate time, how old the creator is or how old God is. I mean, who knows? But they've got to be old. Well, what does it take for an ancient positive being like Michael, the archangel, our prince, which is the next being underneath God, the king of kings, Michael's the prince. What does he have to endure for him to be called and labeled the long suffering? And why is he a prince? What did he do that makes him prince? It's, it's got to be something just amazing or something completely torturous. That's where I I am suspicious or I think it's a possibility that Ra describing this one being that had to suffer, a positive being had to suffer through three negative densities of existence that it could be Michael that they're talking about. And I mean, that just, <laughs> that puts Michael even in higher regard in my mind. Like the archangels, they always, as far as I'm concerned, they're like the, the, the tip of the spear, the top of the echelon, you know, they are right there with God as far as power and capabilities go and their compassion and love and wisdom. I mean, it's mind boggling. But that Michael, the prince, has been labeled the long-suffering? I mean, that's just crazy. It blows my mind. But that's where I think maybe Rob might have been talking about. Like I said, that's just what I think, in my opinion, could be a possibility. So that's uh, my perspective on hell and what it actually is. Do I think it's a real place? I do not think it's a real place as far as where people go when they die, where evil people go when they die, or sinners go when they die. Because according to the one infinite creator who has blessed everybody from free will to begin with, there is no condemnation. So if there is no condemnation, there is no death, and so there is no hell. But I do believe there is a potential for a positive being to be stuck in a negatively polarized or vibrating portion of existence for a long amount of time, and that could be horrible. But as far as like where we go when we die, it's a very nurturing place. And like I said, Enoch describes it. Uh, the raw group describes it. And there's a lot of counseling that goes on. And like I said, nourishment, love, compassion, and facilitating the further evolution and learning and seeking of the creator for, for every being on this planet. So now you have death and the whole point of Emmanuel, according to the current viewpoint of the church, is to prevent death, which was caused by sin, which was caused by the law, the Ten Commandments. So now we know the Ten Commandments were initiated by negative beings. Sin with condemnation isn't real. There is only choice because free will is paramount. Well, then what is this death you're talking about? Well, now that we know about our energy centers, like I said, everyone is born with the red, orange, yellow energy, energy ray centers activated. Jesus became the perfect example of love. You choose Jesus, you choose love, and you dedicate your life to love. That activates instantly your green ray energy center, and that's the uh, chest energy center, which is the energy center for love. But as, as well as that, right alongside that is the blue. They're both activated instantly once you make that first choice. Now, the, the Christian church is like, well, where do they get off? on all this and why do they believe what they believe you know it has to do with jesus dying on the cross and raising from the dead and that's what conquered death was him raising being raised from the dead well this is shown to us and told to us in 
the Gospel of Judas, that Peter and Paul weren't exactly accurate in everything that they said and understood. In their ignorance, they misspoke. <laughs> and you understand how, why, and where they misspoke once you read through the Talmud of Emmanuel. And like I said, I don't think it was all intentional, but I think some of those distortions that got in from Peter and Paul and the other disciples was things that they said out of fear. And they're, you know, it's, it's understandable because they're really trying to explain to people what they understand, but how do you verbalize it and how do you get people to join you? And I think, and that's where saying Jesus Christ was the Son of God, where Emmanuel was always telling them no. You're in your ignorance and childish, you're going to make that mistake and claim that I am. But I've never said that. And I am not. And you also think that God and the Creator are the same thing. They are not. The whole perspective of Jesus dying on the cross and then raising from the dead, why is that so important? Well, for Christians, that's important because they are dead in sin, because the law has shown them that they are all sinners and all deserve death. The only thing that everybody deserves is life. Because that is, just by the fact that we're born, is proof. Because the Creator, one infinite Creator, gave us all life. And we all have life, so we all can learn. Because when we learn, He learns. And we all learn from different perspectives. That's because, and that's why, we are all different. Now that we know that there is no death, it's not real, the resurrection kind of loses its, its importance. But what never loses its importance is the symbol that Jesus became, that Emmanuel became, by dying on the cross. He became the perfect example of love because he was innocent. He didn't do anything wrong. He was put to death. And if you believe in him, you believe in the one infant creator who is love. So then where does salvation come from? Well, there's no hell and there's no sin. There's only condemnation. There, there really is no salvation as far as the salvation that society and Christianity has come to know, preach, and spread the, the message about. And that is that we are all dead in sin when we were born. And we know that is not true. We couldn't be alive if we didn't have a spirit. We wouldn't be third density. We, we wouldn't exist. Our consciousness and our spirit are connected. We are separated from love, which is the creator, through our energy centers. We have never been separated through spiritual death. And so this is the distortions that grew in Christianity with the death and resurrection of Emmanuel was that the resurrection was necessary because he had to conquer death. Well, death isn't real, so the resurrection wasn't necessary. What was necessary was the choosing to love, the selfless, the choosing of selfless love. And that's what creates the seeking, and that's the first step towards learning and seeking the Creator. And it's, it's so ingrained, it's so pivotal of the faith of Christianity, because that's what it rests on. And that's what's hard to hear the truth in the world of Christianity is going to reject this so passionately because they're so emotionally invested and tied into something that was a lie to begin with. It was a half-truth, and there's been so much emphasis put on it. And like I said, the Reformation attempted to correct a lot of the things, a lot of the perversions and distortions created by the Catholic Church. It itself can only go so far. It wasn't necessary for Jesus to raise from the dead. He was He conquered being crucified on the cross, because he, why it was important, because he prophesied about it himself. And then he told people that, and it showed him, gave him more relevance to everything that he said prior. 
It's like, no, I am going to go to Jerusalem and be crucified on the cross. And he even says, I will not totally die. But friends that will come and help me heal in three days, I will walk out of the tomb. And he did. What was powerful about that, like I just said, is it gives more credence to everything he said before. It wasn't that he needed to conquer death because we were all dead in sin. Because we know that's not true. We are all very alive. We're all spiritually alive. We're all born with a living spirit. We are born with unactivated energy centers. Very true. And so so how did how did they get off on this? And one of the I guess one of the most important conversations, I guess, that that uh, first initiated this concept, this thought of spiritual birth is in the gospels when Emmanuel is talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is one of the uh, Pharisees or Sadducees, but he was very curious. So Nicodemus is always in, or he's in a lot of the stories. He was there asking a lot of questions. He seemed to be very curious, but also somewhat genuine in wanting to hear Emmanuel's answer. Well, Emmanuel or talks to Nicodemus, and this is shown in uh, John three, uh, chapter three, I think three through eight, something like that. But uh, the first part of chapter three, Emmanuel talking to Nicodemus, and. Emmanuel tells Nicodemus that he has to be born again. And Nicodemus says, well, how can a man be born again? He can't fit back into the womb. And Jesus says, I can't believe I'm having to explain myself to you. How do you not understand this concept? You have to be, spirit gives birth to spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. You have to be born in the spirit. And so it's been taught from day one and pushed from day one that that means we're all spiritually dead. It absolutely does not mean. So what are the makeups of our body? Our body is a complex. Our mind is split because of our consciousness and our subconscious. But we are a body. We are a mind, which is our consciousness, and spirit, which tied to our consciousness as well. We are a body-mind-spirit complex. If the mind doesn't even know that the spirit is real, then you are spiritually dead in the mind, in your understanding and knowledge of it. And especially... When Emmanuel says, the only way to strengthen your spirit is through knowledge. Well, that's amazing. If you don't have the knowledge that you have a living spirit inside you, you, are, you might as well be dead. You are spiritually dead if, you, if your mind does not have the knowledge of the spirit. And that's what Ra talks about. This whole existence of third density is the existence of spiritual awareness. So Jesus wasn't talking about spirit giving birth to spirit. Because the spirit is dead and has to be rejuvenated and revived and given life. That's not it at all. He's talking about spirit gives birth to spirit once the mind understands that the spirit is real. And then the spirit can be strengthened through knowledge. But you have to first know that the spirit is there to begin with. And so the, the spirit gives birth to spirit. The creator is spirit. One infant creator is spirit. He gifts us a spirit which connects us to him. Because remember, through our energy centers and the indigo energy center, the spirit is the conduit, is the myelin sheath that connects the two nerve endings, that connects the two sources of energy. So the energy of the creator inside of us and the one infinite creator outside of us, the spirit is what improves that connection and allows intelligent energy to come flow through us and opens that gateway and also opens the gateway to intelligent infinity, which is the creator. So that is spirit giving birth to spirit. The creator gave birth to spirit in every single one of us when we were born. But our mind is not privy to this information. Our mind has to be told this knowledge. And we have to be made aware. And once we are made aware, that is a rebirth. 
That is a whole new world. And that is the symbolism behind the resurrection. That's the symbolism of the cross. The cross has always symbolized transition. We've just never known it. The Sada, I believe it's what it's called in the Egyptian culture. It's the cross with a little circle on top, kind of looks like a, a head or a stick figure person. But there's positive symbology of that symbol right there. The cross has always symbolized transition. And that's what that crux and sada shows. That circle on top is the spirit. It's infinite. So it's showing infinity, the one infinite creator, because it's a circle. It never stops. So the cross has always symbolized transition or a new life or a new birth. And that's what was important about the resurrection. It wasn't that he had to conquer death because we were spiritually dead. It was symbolizing that once you choose to believe in Emmanuel, you believe to choose in love. And that means you believe to choose in the creator. And that's the cornerstone decision. Once that cornerstone decision happens, that you choose selfless love, it's transition. It's a whole new world. It's a rebirth. Your mind is open to understanding that you have a spirit. And the proof that we all have spirits before this choosing and after this choosing is negative people. Negative beings are also given the ability to contact intelligent energy and intelligent infinity, the creator, without making that decision to believe in Emmanuel. They believe in a different decision of love, and that's selfish love. And they have every right to do so, and the light is given freely to both sides. So transition is huge. The cross symbolizes transition. And once you understand how your body is made, the knowledge of the energy centers and how that, how your body, mind, and spirit are incorporated together as one, that is knowledge that builds the strength of the spirit. And that is how you learn to be a more effective servant to the creator voluntarily through free will, just as Emmanuel was. And just as Emmanuel could accomplish all these things with all the power that he demonstrated, he had. Everybody's capable of that, but you're not capable of it if you don't understand you have a spirit and that a spirit is living inside you. And that spirit is from the creator. And that spirit doesn't know limitations because the creator is infinite. And the spirit he gave you is infinite. And they do not know limitation. And that's why Emmanuel could do the things he could do. It's because he understood this, as well as all the other knowledge that he collected helped strengthen his understanding and spirit also. So the conversation with Nicodemus is pivotal, and it's been misunderstood from the beginning. And that's what is so amazing about the Gospel of Judas and the raw material, is we have a better understanding of the truth of the matter. And then you know, I talked about a little bit before with John chapter 1, verse 1, when famous verse from the Bible is, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, we talked about in the last talk that the word logos is used in the Greek, original Greek text, and it was translated to the word. And this is an inaccurate translation that it actually should have been concept of beginning or thought, because everything began with the one original thought of infinity, when infinity became focused. And that focus is love. So what's more accurately should be said in that first verse is in the beginning was love. Love was God and love was with God. And that is the creator, and that is the energy, intelligent energy, that came from the focusing of infinity. That process we call love. And from that came intelligent energy, which in turn created light. It's also this understanding of the one infinite creator that has been distorted from the beginning as well, and understanding that spirit gives birth to spirit, because the creator is spirit, and he gives birth to our spirits when we are born. 
as one of the gifts that we are given every time we are born. So I think that's pretty much everything I wanted to cover. It was kind of left over from last time. Another thing that I wanted to bring up, another point, uh, is anybody else thought it was funny that any time in the Gospels, because, you know, when I started doing some research into sin, how many times the word sin or sinners or some form of the word sin was used in the Bible. And, you know, that's what I discovered. It was the word sin or some form of sin was used over 300 or 930 some times. Give or take a few. I could have miscounted a couple. But when I got to the New Testament, it was, it was kind of funny because the Old Testament, you just had sin and offerings. You had to do an offering for sin, offering for sin. The sinful people were punished. The sinful people were punished for this and sin, sin and punishment, punishment, sin. Well, once you get to the New Testament, it, it's pretty funny. Or the Gospels, it was always Jesus was hanging around tax collectors and sinners, or he was eating with tax collectors and sinners. <laughs> it's like, why do they separate the two? Has anybody else like been curious? Well, how is a tax collector different than a sinner? And why do they get their own special category? I mean, nobody else is lumped in in their own special category. It's, there's only two. You're either a tax collector or you're a sinner. I mean, murderers don't even have their own their own category. Homicidal maniacs, genocidal dictators don't even have their own category, but tax collectors, they have their own category. They're special. And like, is it worse than sinners being a sinner? Is it not as bad as being a sinner? But aren't they sinners because they cheat people? No, they're a special kind of sinner. They have their own category. So Emmanuel is coming into this world to eat and hang out with not only sinners, but tax collectors as well, because they're their own breed. I don't know. I don't know if anybody else has noticed that and thought that was funny, but I got a good kick out of it. Just wanted to share that. Wow, they're their own category. And I don't know if I could do a talk on that. I don't, I don't even think um, that's covered in any kind of book. What does it mean to be a tax collector? Where do you go? Uh, which way do you polarize? I don't know. <laughs> How do you get out of that category? Well, stop collecting taxes, I guess. But anyways, I just thought that was funny and wanted to share that. But that's all I have on the topic of sin. I think I've covered everything I wanted to cover. But the main points in conclusion is the sin that we know of in our society and has been in our existence for hundreds of years, thousands of years, is it's not true. Sin with condemnation bringing about death is not true. It's all been a lie. It's been an intentional lie by negative beings. And those beings are the beings of the Orion group. They're the ones that gave the Ten Commandments. They're the ones that set up the offerings for sin and really brought sin to the forefront. And that's what brought forth condemnation where neighbors could condemn other neighbors because they were sinning, because they were breaking the law. And all the backstabbing that goes along with it, and we're seeing that in our society right now today with the shutdown, unconstitutional laws, and forcing people to wear masks, and people tattletailing on each other if they're not wearing masks. I mean, I was in the military for quite a while, and that's all they do. That's all they do is tattletale on each other to make them try to build themselves up. It's a negative existence. It really is. I mean, there's a lot of good that happens, and a lot of good people in the military, but the core and the foundation of the military it is a negative type structure because there's no freedom. There's no freedom for individuality. There's no true f preservation of free will to choose. And yes, it's a volunteer military. Sure. 
it's one place you get to uh, exercise your free will. Once you're in, it's gone. <laughs> and that's why people run from it, you know, kicking and screaming most of the time. Like, get me the heck out of here. Because it's a, a negative existence. And that's the existence of negative groups like the Orion Group, the Orion Empire, trying to control and dominate. It's sad, but it's necessary because without the negative side, we wouldn't understand, we wouldn't have catalyst for the positive side. We wouldn't understand how bright the light truly is without any kind of darkness. So if it was just light, it would just be kind of another shade of light. But we wouldn't know how bright it was without darkness. So without negativity, without the negative polarizing individuals and beings, we wouldn't know how amazing it is to be a positive being. How amazing the positive side is how amazing the light truly is sad as it is sometimes it's necessary because it creates an environment for catalyst for learning now like i said before there are safeguards that the creator makes as far as karma goes to help bring justice and once people understand karma when you hurt people that builds up negative karma against you and once you start building up negative karma that reduces your protection when you are a positively polarized being and you are constantly making loving, selfless choices, that brings positive karma. That brings positive inertia of energy, which is, which brings protection. And that's what the Creator guarantees. That's His promise. He will always protect those that choose willingly to serve Him and constantly make loving choices. You're building up polarity. You're building up strength. And the more people that do it together and bond together and have one focus together, the stronger that is. And that's a societal thing. And that's where social memory complexes are formed because they unite and it can happen. But that's the promise of protection by the creator, by our sun, by our planet. Its job of the planet is to produce life, to be abundant. It doesn't want death on its own planet. It's sad for that to happen because it's trying to serve the creator as well. And so there is protection for people who choose love in every choice they make because that's the promise of the Creator. And when there's nothing but negative choices going on, there is no positive karma, there is no protection going around. And it allows negative groups and negative beings to build up the negative polarity and they start to dominate. And that's when you just start to see horrific things happen and horrific things that one person will do to another person, like slavery, physical assaulting, sexual assault, you name it, the, the worst things you can think of. Genocide, just slaughtering people and, and not giving one ounce of care towards life. That is, that is the power of the negative polarity building. And the way to combat that is the positive side. It has to build up strength and polarize positively. And that builds up protection. That's that inertia, that positive inertia being built up, the wheel of action. It's great. And it's so beautiful how it works. And that's why it's so important for positive people, positive beings that choose selfless love to unite and stand together. And that's how we fight the darkness. That's how we fight the negative polarity is together. And I mean, there's so much truth in the Bible and about what one man can accomplish, two men can accomplish twice as much. As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. That is truth. That is a fact. And now that we have a better understanding of all the players involved in the game, we have to go back through the texts of the Bible. We have to start accepting or being more open to other texts that can give us some knowledge of the truth of our reality. And then we can sift through the Bible and text and see for ourselves where the negative being snuck in and where the positive beings 
we're sneaking in trying to help. So what is love? What is selfish love? And what is selfless love? And you can go back through the Bible and you can start to see where the Orion group was bringing things into being. And that was the influence of the Orion group. And then we go back, we read through, and we can see the influence of the positive group or the Yahweh group or the confederation. So it, it really, you know, and I, and I haven't gotten that far. I mean, there's just so much information and there's so much more I want to do and learn and discover to, to help people learn and discover and to put their minds at ease because this is such a hard thing to listen to when your whole life has been based off of distorted perceptions. And it wasn't totally true, but Emmanuel was still necessary and is still a savior. He is still a Messiah. He was still the one that was prophesied about to come and save not just the Hebrews, the Jewish nation, everybody. Because that is the intention for the creator of everybody to evolve to fourth density. And that's in third density, that's the awareness of the spirit and the conscious decision to choose love. And that's either selfish love or selfless love. Selfless is the positive path. Selfish is the negative path. But both are preserved and protected by the creator by the first law of distortions, which is the law of free will, or as Ra calls it, the law of confusion. It really is an amazing process, but it's it's a pretty tough task to undertake because of how ingrained the previous message of Christianity already is all across the world, Protestant and Catholic, and even all the other religions that know about Christianity as well. Mormonism, the same thing. I think there was an attempt there made to correct the distortions of Christianity, but it got distorted itself and went off in a completely different direction. And, you know, there's a lot of great people in the Mormon church too. Very nice people, very caring people. But what we're trying to do, you know, even in Islam, the Muslims, there's a lot of great loving people in the Islamic world as well. But what everybody is needing to accomplish in this life, the whole purpose of life, is learning the lessons of love. And we need to be able to if we could, I mean, it's hard, but to wipe our slates clean, to start learning fresh and new from a new foundation, but still knowing that there's a lot of truth within what we already know, we just have to go through it with different perspective and different knowledge. And now that we have more knowledge of all the players involved and everything involved and the understanding of our body, our minds, and our spirits, that this is totally doable. But what's going to prevent it is fear, fear of change. But is still a necessary task, even <laughs> as hopeless as it seems. Because the truth needs to get out there. I mean, Emmanuel incarnated into human form to spread this message. Well, now the message is coming out, but everyone thinks it's false and it's heresy, and then it's a lie and it's a hoax. Well, why is never why is no one ever brought up the fact that the original message of Jesus might have got stepped on? Who's going to stand up for Emmanuel and stand up for the Creator on the the genuine, undistorted message of truth that he originally brought. Why has no one said, hey, we need to seriously consider this. In the Christian world, in the theological world, we need to take a serious look at this. Because if this is true, that means the untainted message of Emmanuel, we have never known it. And we should know it. Because we need to know the Creator more and more every single minute of every single day. And, uh, it's possible. It's possible to get to that point. I think absolutely. It starts on an individual basis. But love, selflessness, true selflessness, love, and wisdom in a continual searching for knowledge and the truth is the only way. But it's going to hurt along the way because we have a lot of biases. We have a lot of distortions. And how do we get rid of those? 
the best way I can think of in my mind is just be open to anything and everything. Not be so emotionally attached to something that you're afraid to listen. At least listen. That's what was hard for the Pharisees and Sadducees is they just didn't want to listen. They already made up their mind because, you know, arrogance is part of our human nature with those lower three energy levels. And once we understand what it is to use and live by those three energy centers, then we can understand that we are not living by love. That anything showing choices made by red, orange, or yellow energy centers is going to be the complete opposite of what we want as positive beings. So love is anything above that. Green, blue, and indigo. That is what we're seeking. And if if we're letting any of the lower three colors taint our choices, taint the purity of the colors of our upper three energy centers, then that's always going to bring distortion. It's always going to bring a blockage. And like we talked about, we want to bring balance to our bodies, our energy centers, and we want to remove blockages, remove, and those are distortions and those are biases. And how our emotions are so tightly wound to certain subjects like religion and politics. You never talk about that with friends. You lose friends. <laughs> but yeah, now that we know what love is and selfless love, it is not ego. It's it's not anger. It's not manipulation of self or others. It's not control. It's freedom. It's preserving free will and it's freely loving, freely choosing to love others first before ourselves. And the motivation behind it becomes purer and purer the more we do it. And then the more knowledge we gain, the more understanding we gain, and the more we make loving choices. And that's how we build up positive polarity. Back before sin was thought to be real, they used to say, you sin less. The longer you're a Christian, you're not. And this is how they control control you as well, even in the Protestant world. It's not that you're perfect, only God is perfect. You'll never be perfect, but you'll just sin less. So you never be totally void of sin, which is constant unworthiness, which is not positive, and which is not true. Everyone is worthy from birth, and everyone is always worthy. They have the choice to choose what they want to do. So it's tough. It's, a, it's definitely an uphill battle. It's an uphill climb but definitely one that's necessary. And I think sin has just been, the understanding and perception of sin is, has been so instrumental on keeping us down and enslaving ourselves. That's I think that's one of the places we got to start, is understanding that the sin that we know it isn't real, that there is no right and wrong. There is only the choices we make, and within those choices, it's positive or negative. And you have to decide for yourself by knowing your mind first, if you're a positive being or if you're a negative being. Then you can start making those choices based on whatever your polarity is. Anyways, I think that's all I have for this talk. And I'm um, not quite sure what I'm going to touch on next time. I was thinking about talking a little bit about star seeds and wanderers. I don't know if anybody has ever had, anybody listening to this has ever heard those terms used. But they are definitely real. And Emmanuel would be classified as a wanderer. So they are other dimensional beings, higher dimensional beings that incarnate into third density to help raise the consciousness of humanity. And it's been going on for quite a while, and it's it's at its highest point right now because we're so close to harvest, so close to evolutionary change to fourth density. And that's based off of our sun and the solar flares that are in our near future that solidifies the fourth density change. So it's pretty exciting times. And star seeds, wanders, the same thing. 
but they're high density beings incarnating here willingly, freely, positive beings incarnating to help raise the positive consciousness, raise the vibrations on this planet to have a better harvest into fourth density. So it's a pretty selfless choice that they make, and they are real. And I think a lot of people are becoming awake to the fact that they are wanderers. They don't know what to do with this knowledge or information, uh, but they just, they've always known. And there's, Raw talks about some signs that will kind of let you know, for in, you know, in some cases, depending on where you're from originally, you know, because wanderers and starseeds aren't initially from this planet. So every planet, every solar system, every part of space has a different vibration. Some beings incarnating onto this planet will have some vibrational issues, and Ra talks about some of those issues, and we'll cover that, I think, in the next talk, next recording. But I hope everyone's doing good, and everyone's surviving lockdown, and trying to make the best of it, and doing what they can. <laughs> hope everyone's doing good. Take care.